This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by... DSC, Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling as calls made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now, here's your host, Larry Wysoon. In the classroom at the FTW Ranch with Mr. Tim Fallon, we've just completed an absolutely fantastic event with the DSC chapter presidents here on the FTW, and where they teach the sportsman all weather, all terrain, marksmanship. And Tim, what do you think about the event of getting all of our guys from DSC, from the president's perspective, here together at one time? Well, it was really the, one of the funnest parts for me, Larry, was seeing everybody sharing ideas on how to promote DSC and the chapter system. But it was really wonderful to have Corey Mason down and Mark Little, who's the Corey, of course, is the director, and Mark Little is the president of DSC, actually meet face to face with the uh, with the presidents of each of the chapters, and these guys shared a lot of ideas. And the momentum and the excitement in the room, or the whole weekend, was whole just, weekend. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah, it was great. What was interesting is the weather on top of everything else. <laughs> we didn't have any snow, but it sleeted quite a bit for a while, too. Yep. These guys, as you mentioned, they had an opportunity to go through kind of a shortened course, I suspect, mm-hmm. of, uh, of what Sam is. But I noticed that uh, these, you know what, they, they, they shot quite a few rounds of Hornady while they were here. I did notice that. They did. They shot uh, what? Average person in two days shot about 160 rounds, yeah. Now, all these guys were experienced hunters, experienced shooters. And, and my perspective on the FTW is that I've been up here many times, and every blooming time I come up here, I learn something new. And 
new being the key right here. It's, it's a brand new year. We're facing all kinds of new challenges. Uh, no telling where some of the things are going to go to in the, in the not too distant future. But one of the things that's kind of come out of the COVID thing is that people now are buying firearms and they're more concerned about where their food comes from. And they're realizing it doesn't come from the grocery store. It's got to come from a source beyond that. So that being the case, you with your staff, which is second to none, have, have come up with the new Hunter program. Now, we've, we've talked a little bit about that on the podcast here, but I'd like to revisit some of that because, again, we're going into a new year. A lot of folks may be interested now. Maybe it's a good time for them to, to buy a new gun and, and all those kind of things. But tell me a little bit about the, uh, the new Hunter course, where we're headed with it at this point, and then I want to come back and I want to ask you a few questions about guns as well. Okay. Well, Larry, as you know, and we did talk before about this, we launched the new Sam New Hunter program off with the intent that, okay, so you've got a person who's not against hunting, which there's millions of them out there that just don't know how to do it, never right, done it. Right. So if you're if you're a young lady or a young man, you graduated college, you're building a career, and all of a sudden, you know, I, I really want to learn how to hunt. Where in the world do you start? There's the so problem, many places. Exactly. And the problem is you ask some friends and you could get with the right group and you can get with the wrong group. It yes. can go really badly, really fast. So the concept is, okay, on one extreme, a person never shot a gun before and never hunted before. They have no idea how to start. So they arrive here in five nights, four days. We, A, teach them how to use a gun safely, how to shoot it well, and then take them on a hunt. And they get to shoot some meat or shoot an animal for meat. Right, right. And we're going to, you are going to teach them about the biology of the animal and the environment and where they live, what their habits are and so forth. And then we're bringing in a butcher to show them how to process the, the carcass, the meat, and wrap it and, you know, protect it safely. Then we're bringing in a wild game chef to show them how to make, how to cook wild game in many, many different ways. He's a fun guy. And then we're bringing in an actual game, Texas game warden, our local game warden, who's volunteered to come in and talk to these folks. And even though they may not be from Texas, the game laws are generally the same. Here's what you should do, should not do. Here's how to talk to a landowner um, for access to, you know, hunting property. Um, so it's soup to nuts, everything you wanted to learn. And when we first, we scheduled the first one in February. And it kind of stagnated for a month, and I thought, ah, I thought this would have been more popular. Well, now that one's full. Yes. This, the second one in June is, is two-thirds full, and the, the third one already scheduled in October, which is during our whitetail season, right. um, is uh, about half full. So it's, it's pretty exciting. And what's really exciting is the gun companies have heard about this, and, of course, we have a relationship with them because they all come through here for a lot of product testing and dealer introductions on their products and so forth. So the first one's being assisted by uh, Remington and Hornady. Mm-hmm. Hornady's providing the ammo. Remington's providing the guns. Um, the second one is Savage, is jumping onto that program, and then Ruger's doing the October program. So I hope to have gun company involvement forever on this program. The beauty of that is the student can then buy that gun if they choose to, the gun that they were taught on and hunted with and trained with. Um, so it's really it's good for the gun companies. I mean, let's face it, the gun... If you're a gun manufacturer, new shooters is the lifebread of our business. And whether you're just a shooter or a shooter and a hunter, that's fine. But uh, it's a good good way to pay it forward, if you will. Where, where are some of these students coming from? Oh, I geez. mean, I know we've got some coming from Texas, but have you got... There's, uh, there's 12 students in each class, so yes, two sir. instructor teams. 
and of course they they hunt guided. Right. You know. Um, Larry, on the first one, I would say a third of it is Texas. Yes, sir. A third of it West Coast and a third of it East Coast. Interesting. And then the second one um, is almost all East Coast. Isn't that interesting? That so, really is. So well, we have a the second one's got a family of four coming in. Perfect. Um, we have a gentleman coming from one of the Texas ones on the first one. is a prolific hunter. He's hunted mm-hmm. almost all over the world. But he's never been taught properly how to, you know, work with a carcass and preserve and cut off the meat off the bone. Right. And, you know, um, so he wants to come in and learn it from soup to nuts. So it's pretty cool. That is that is way cool. Well, you think about how many people have you met in Africa, Larry? I've met a ton of them. Yeah, they're big hunters, but somebody's always processed their meat for them, or you know, exactly. gutted the animal, caped it out, and processed the meat and so forth. And these now they're coming through here, and I want to learn from the ground up how to properly do well, this. I'll tell you what, I've been on guided hunts where. Mm-hmm. I thought, I know how to take an animal apart. It was, of course. It was a yeah. disease specialist years ago. There wasn't a joint that I couldn't hit and all that kind of thing in an animal. But it always, was, it amazes me quite often that the that guy had very, may almost know how to gut an animal, hmm. or maybe even not. And then certainly doesn't know anything about if he's got to pull the cape off, you know, what he's going to have to do to right. pull the cape off. Right. To me, you know, Hunting has always meant that from ape step one to the end process of of uh, not only knowing about the animal but taking the animal and taking the insides out and taking care of the meat, taking care of the cape, you know, and all those kind of things. I think to be a complete hunter, and I see this as an opportunity for those people coming in mm-hmm. to be what I consider a complete hunter. Right. Well, one of the big attractions for this, Larry, is grandparents yes so they want to get maybe their kids skip the hunting thing but the grandkids are interested in it so i would say a third of the students so far and down the road i expect it to be a third to a half are going to be grandparents buying this program for their grandkids right or even their kids right um and then you know in other words it's, i think it's going to be multi-generational but it's really fun well, is there an age limit Upper end or lower end? <laughs> well, the upper end, no. The lower end, we recommend a minimum ten. Of yes. course, they are required to come with an, uh, you know, an adult right. uh, guardian. Right. Um, and uh, I expect this thing to get legs. At some point, I expect, and even the game warden mentioned it. It'd be really fun to have the students because Texas is very friendly to hunters. Obviously, uh, yes, we are. So. The students go through, and if they don't have their hunter safety certificate, have them do their online work first, and then when the the, the game warden comes, the certifier will come with them, so they do the certification right yes. on the spot. So, um, and then I, you're set up to where they can buy a license online. Yes, sir. As well, yep. too. they can take care of everything right here. I mean, Texas is so hunter friendly that. If you're above the age where you're required to have a hunter safety certificate, you're allowed a one-time license purchase without it, but you have to hunt with a licensed guide. Right. And all of our guides, of course, are licensed. So it's um, it's it's pretty friendly. That, that's that's really exciting when you think about it. It is. Um, the East Coast thing is interesting as well, too. Mm. I recently saw some 
license numbers in terms of increases in almost every state in North America has had at least a minimum of a 4% increase in hunting sales, right. hunting license sales, right. to an increase of up above 20% right. of increase in new license. These are new licenses rather than... They've never had a license never before. Had a license before. I think it's, a, what, 1.1 million up from the average of 11 now or way over 12 million yes. licenses. Yes, And, I, you know, you can... Blame it on COVID or not blame it on, but attribute it to the COVID yes. thing. I do think there's a lot to that. And I do think people are concerned about also, uh, hey, I want to eat healthy meat. I don't want to be dependent on having to buy meat out of a grocery store pre-wrapped. Um, it's, and it's what a great way to spend time with the kids, too. I mean, good Lord. Well, there's, there's nothing like spending time with anybody in a hunting camp. Right. That's what a great way to get to know somebody to sit around that fire because that too is a part of it. And I'm sure we'll end up doing a little bit of that uh, while all this is going on too. Really. So. And the chef, the chef is wonderful. Um, he's, his degree is in ant, uh, culinary anthropology. He can tell you more about what the Egyptians ate and how they accidentally invented beer and wine and all that sort of stuff. But he's just a hoot. But a lot of people don't realize, you know, in the wild game process, you can take a, a type of meat, which take whitetail, for instance. As you know, it can be a little bland. Right. But here's how you can, you know, marinate it, saute it, spice it up. And then here's the sides that go with a whitetail deer. That right. Are, so you can, you can take a meat that's maybe so-so. You know, you're not going to go out to a restaurant and pay 50 bucks for a whitetail steak. But by the time you finish with all the wonderful sides that go with it, you've, you've created a magnificent meal. That's going to be really interesting. I've I, I heard, too, that he's going to talk a little bit about birds as well, too, possibly. He is, yes. He's, he's actually he's going to bring some fowl to cook. Perfect. Uh, pheasant, quail, that sort of thing. So hopefully, you know, this is we're obviously rifle training, but right. we, all, we do have a five-stand course here, so we're going to let the students shoot a little bit of shotgun on the fourth day for kind of for fun, if you will, but give them some good principles. But. You know, I, I don't know of a big game hunter that doesn't also bird hunt as well. So, hunting is hunting, right? Hunting is hunting. You know, to, to me, I, I love hunting waterfowl. I'm not a big waterfowl eating fan. Right. I'm hoping that my time with this guy, I can learn a recipe <laughs> or two that yeah. might, you know, maybe Change I need to try yeah. this. Yeah. Maybe I need to go back doing some waterfowl hunting because that, to me, is so much fun as well, too. And, again, so much of the bird hunting is a little bit more of a camaraderie thing as opposed to big game, which is tendency while you're actually hunting, kind of a one-on-one situation kind of thing rather than right. a, a group type thing. What about wild hogs? Down the, down the future, do you see that you know you might do something on wild hogs as well too? Uh, the, the chef, you mean? Yes. Yeah, maybe. Um, we, we generally don't eat the wild hog. We have a hog problem. Yes, you do. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> we tend, all do. <laughs> yeah, we tend to discard the carcass and not worry about eating it. Right. But there, are, there is a kind of a threshold on poundage. So if yes. one of the students were to, I have no problem at all, they get their female of a, you know, a, either the black buck fallow, axis, whitetail. But if they happen to shoot a hog while they're out hunting, I have no problem caping it out and you yes. know, having the butcher take care of it, too. And, um the good news is we're going to provide the meat, so it's not like a student's going to come here and have and to forfeit 10% of his meat yeah, to, to, to feed us. To feed we're not her. going to do that to him, no. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I hadn't really thought over the, the hog thing, but that's, Larry, it's actually a really good idea. We might need to have some 
some uh, wild boar. That's well, been, you know, to me, you know, our, our issue is here, though, we have to, everything has to be USDA certified. I understand. So, but you can buy wild hog meat that's yes, USDA can. certified. So exactly. That's a good idea. So, I mean, that's that's one of those things, though, too, but the recipes are going to be very similar. And there's so many hog hunting opportunities out there oh, these days yeah. with the populations that we have everywhere. And I've actually eaten wild hog that was out of this world yet. I'm not one of the, I love hunting those big boars. We're looking at looking at a boar here that someone very dear, close to you, shot in, in Austria yeah. when we were there. Yeah, that pig weighed 508 yeah. pounds. That was a monster. Wasn't it? That was an absolute monster. Yeah, is monster. right. But there is uh, there, there are hog hunting opportunities, and two down the way too. We might even look at envision uh, with him a little bit about uh, things like cottontail rabbits or squirrels. Mm-hmm. Those so often when we think of hunting these days, we think in terms of bigger game. Right. But the small game hunting is available in so many different places, and again, at a very reasonable price. Right. And cottontail rabbit and squirrels can be out of this world good to eat as well, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and don't forget, Texas is so mad at pigs, you don't even have to have a hunting license to shoot them. That's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it. All you need is permission from the landowner, and sometimes that's not the easiest thing to get, but there are a lot of places around where people for a very, at a most, a very nominal fee can go hog hunting. And I know Oklahoma is the same way. In Oklahoma, you do not need a hunting license to hunt wild hogs. Really? Yes, sir. It, it, it's like Texas in that respect. Tim, let's talk a little bit about, I know we've got Remington, uh, Savage, Ruger coming in on these things. What about somebody that is is considering taking their young child hunting. I'm talking about as we go into the future, they're looking at, uh, you know, I really want to spend more time with my kids. I love the idea, but maybe I can't get into this course right now or, or whatever. If a parent, grandparent, guardian, whatever, were to consider buying a firearm for a young lady or a young man, say, that's in uh, from 10 on up, what are some of the things that you would suggest they look for in terms of, of action in terms of uh, cartridge or caliber or those kind of things. What, what do you see or what would you recommend? If I came to you and said, Mr. Fallon, I've got an 11-year-old grandson that I want to take hunting, and I don't own any guns, but I, I love the concept of the hunting. I appreciate how important it is from a conservation perspective, and I want to be able to spend some very quality time with this young man. What would you suggest? Well, it's funny you bring that up, Larry, because even during the regular SAM courses, right? Oh, twenty percent of the of the students um, will call before they get here and say, "Hey, look, I've got an old junker gun of whatever make, right? And you know, was passed down for four generations. Um, should I bring it?" And the answer is, of course, you should. Right. Well, should I go out and buy a new gun before I get there? And the answer is no. Please don't do that. <laughs> no. Come use our, our guns out of our loaner pool. We have every make and model known to man. And uh, and use these different guns so you get an action that you feel comfortable with and so forth. What the, the biggest issue we see is sometimes the folks will show up with a gun they've purchased, and it might be a 300 win mag or a 7 mag, or, which is very good calibers. Yes, sir. But it is probably not the caliber you want to pick to start out training with. No. So for a 10 or 11, 12, you know, up to teenagers, I'd be very careful. I'd stay with the, with the 7 millimeter 08 or the 308 or the, certainly the 6.5 Creedmoor or the 6.5 PRC. There's some wonderful 260 Remingtons. 
um, some great trainer type caliber, which are also great deer rifles. Yes, they are. Hog rifles, deer rifles, varmint rifles, training rifles. Um, and at the end of the day, as people evolve, we've got many students, uh, 60% of our average class is repeat clients. So people, they come back after a year or two and they've learned and they want to upgrade. But beware the, the man or the woman that shows up with their main hunting rifle, be it a 300 Win Mag, 7 Mag, whatever, and a 6.5 Creedmoor or a 308 with the same scope on both guns. Woo, they generally shoot really yes. well because yes. you're getting the same training without all the recoil and the expense. So I would any grandparent, parent, et cetera, looking to purchase a, a gun for a younger person, I would definitely start in those four categories, which is a 7M08, which is really a 308 and yes, a 7mm round. Uh, 308's great. And the 6.5 Creedmoor is really nice because the 6 the 6.5 bullet in, in it, a lot of its cartridge design, but they have those high ballistic coefficients. So it may be the same velocity as a 308, but at, at two and 300 yards, it's going to be out, way outperforming that Longer bullet. bullets, Longer stabilize bullets, yeah. better, and all those other kind of things that you'll learn about when you do come to the MTW. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, but stay small. Don't. Right. You know, there's no reason to go big. And, and the child, the kid, can use that gun for the rest of their life. Right. And then pass it down to their own kid as well, because... Even though you might evolve to a 300 Win Mag or 7 Mag, as I say, or 338, whatever, 375, you're still going to need to do the training with a lower kicking, you know, lower caliber, lower kicking gun. And I've noticed that particularly Ruger, and I'm assuming some of the others do too, have stocks with spacers. Yes. So that the, like the because pull. length of pull is going to make a lot of difference, sure. meaning basically from your fingertip in a, in a uh, or your index finger in a position where you're pulling the trigger. That distance between there to where your el bent elbow is, if you bend that elbow to 90 degrees. So basically, those kind of guns, a lot of those with stocks now, you can pull a lot of spacers out. And as that child or individual grows, you can add spacers to it. Right, right. Well, it's a great concept. It's it's kind of, it, it's, it's allowing the parent to buy a, a gun for a 10-year-old. And that same gun can be used for that young man when he went from, Four feet to six feet. Exactly. He's still using the same gun because you can extend the length of and the well into the very future. Nice and then when he's, he or she, she has her own child, they can back yep. off again yep. and start pulling those spacers out yep. as well too. Most of the manufacturers are doing that now. Yeah. Um, you know, more as a, a starter gun, trainer gun. Yes, sir. If you buy a custom gun, you're gonna you're gonna be fitting that gun to you specifically. Well, you yes. wouldn't want to do that to a ten year old because by the time he's fourteen, that gun's not gonna fit him anymore. Yeah, now you'd be adding things to the back of the gun. Exactly. So yeah, it's a nice feature. It is. It is. Um, so the, the, those kind of rounds, you know, to me. I love everything that you mentioned on the rounds because those are also rounds that are extremely good as far as hunting white-tailed deer oh, and even other species right. as well, too. Right. As we move forward into this thing, and and I want to come back and touch on a couple of other things, but what's the best way for them to find out more about the, the new hunter program that you have here, as well as everything else that you guys do on the FTW? I know you've got several sites that are that are that they can go to. Yes, the, the best one, which encompasses everything, is our website, which is www.ftwsaam, so it's Foxtrot Tango Whiskey Sierra Alpha Alpha Mike.com. .com. And it's, we've got a, a big 
on the, the home page, there's a big button you can push for the new Hunter program, and then also the new one, SAM Medical Program, which is where you get two hours of emergency field medical training all four days. You get two hours of training during the middle of the day for that, too, uh, taught by professional medics. Right. So, you know, it's funny, I, Larry, all the years I've gone on, you have two hunts. I look back at that and go, wow, something could, I mean, what if, what if my buddy broke his leg? What if I broke my leg? Would I know how to do it? Would I know how to help him? What if he had a heart attack? What right. if he had, I mean, and it, stuff happens, as you know. So it's a really, the, and it's really designed for post-grads. Let's say they've been through it, and not necessarily, but most of the people that have graduated saw we launched that this year, and just, it's already booked out. I mean, the classes we have scheduled are already full because people, people understand, you know, how do I fix a broken arm in the field when I can't get the guy to a helicopter or something right. for two days or one day or right. whatever things to do and not to do? And um, you know, it's really exciting. I have an ex-son-in-law who was a former Green Beret who also happened to be the local the medic. And so through him, during years my daughter was married to him, I got a bunch of training with him because he he. He'd never really hunted. And so I'd take him hunting, and I said, okay, what happened? What would you do if this happened? What would you do? And a guy gets shot in the arm or whatever, or a guy breaks his leg. So I was able to get a little bit of training, you know, through him. Interestingly, you mentioned that. You and I were in Burkina Faso, yep. and I stepped up onto the shooting car, and as I did, one of the trackers moved in front of me. And so I swung to the side, and in so done, I ruptured a, a major blood vessel in my groin on my, on my right side. I remember it well. And within the, by the, just a few, almost minutes, but within a few hours, I was black and blue from just below my chest all the way down to my legs. And, uh, you know, we didn't know for sure what to do. And thankfully, because of your connections with the, the military of training here, you got on the phone and said, okay, what do we do? What can we do at this thing? You know, we need to get this guy out of here. Can we put him on a plane? All those kind of things. And of course, their advice at the time was just watch and see and drink lots of water, drink a lot of water and bear aspirin. And yeah. thankfully we had bear aspirin and, you know, don't get on a plane if you start seeing this kind right, of thing. Right. I really did remember want to the biggest there. thing that he wanted me to do was to make sure that on day three it was starting to lighten in color. Yes, that's where I was. Yeah, because that means that blood is, you know, yeah, yeah, I remember him saying absorbed into your body, yeah. black spots, right. you know, right. and it thank, would be a marker for a clot. Yeah, thank God we didn't find it because I really, much as I like the hunting we did in Burkina Faso, I really didn't want to stay there. No, <laughs> you wouldn't want to go to the hospital in <laughs> most African countries. But, but it's things like that that can happen so quickly yep. with not even being a, uh, uh, you know, it, it, as it worked out, it wasn't a life-threatening situation. It was a, very much a discomfort situation, but a spooky situation as well, too. So with just a little bit of training, such as what you're mentioning, you know, with the program that you have, somebody would be much more prepared and, and maybe not quite as something happens, you're not quite as excited, not as anxious. You have you have a plan that you know you can go to. That's right. Yeah. No, it's a great program. And it's, you know, because we're hunter training. I mean, it's just, right. a, it's, I, I'm surprised it took me 15 years to figure this out, but it's, we're launched it this year. It's going to be a great program, it really. Is. Well, as you recall, too, we did, we shot Tim Fallon on the FTW <laughs> on a TV show that, cost quite a stir when you got right down to it. And I think we're up to, uh, to almost 2 million views on that thing now in different places. Uh, but you can go, I think it's under accidental hunting 
Accident. Accident. Accidental hunting accident is kind of the category, and you can go see how that was handled kind of thing. Hunting is, is by far the safest outdoor endeavor there is. Right. I mean, even safer than fishing and all these other things. But our purpose in that was to always be cognizant of where your barrel's pointed and where your finger is on the trigger, and you know whether that gun is loaded or unloaded. And Muzzle, muzzle discipline... You can violate a lot of safety rules and not have a problem. Yes, sir. But if you violate any of those safety rules and your muzzle's not in a safe direction, you're, now you have an issue. Now you have an issue. Yes, sir. And that was a really well done video. In fact, I've had a lot of comments from people that just watched part of it to the point where I get shot. <laughs> Supposedly got shot, which was you were having a dream and I didn't really get shot. Yeah. But um, they'll watch it to that point and say, man, I didn't know you had an accident on the ranch. <laughs> no, we didn't have an accident. You need to finish watching the rest of the video. Exactly. But, uh, what I was encouraged about, look at the hundreds the comments you got back from that video that have seen it and said thank you for oh my gosh up. we had so many I, I lost track of this it was thousands of comments and they were all positive i had three of them that started out very negative and i thought and so i caught and I, they left a phone number you know please call me about this and i did and in, in each instance when they had been involved in an accident in terms of being shot Doing the being the shooter, or in one instance, uh, it was a, a, a lady who whose son had gotten badly, badly injured in that kind of situation, and she started out, and I just I listened, and as she talked, the farther we got into it, it was like thank you, thank you, thank you for doing this. Maybe this will prevent somebody else from having to go through what we did. Sure. And but when it was all said and done, there were no negative comments. It was. I take it back. There, there was one negative comment about that. I had a lady that somehow or another got my phone call. I picked up the phone, and she goes, "How dare you shoot somebody on TV?" <laughs> and I thought, uh, "Ma'am," and she said, "I can't believe y'all would shoot somebody on TV." And so I got to visit a little bit, and I said, "Ma'am, what are your what, what do you watch on TV?" And she says, oh, there's a show called Criminal Mind. She says, I absolutely love that show. I said, ma'am, do they ever show somebody getting shot on that show? <laughs> you know, and then she mentioned two or three others. And I said, well, on that one, they show the actual autopsy happening. Right. I said, and that doesn't, that doesn't disturb you, yet our shooting... You know, and to try to prevent somebody else from getting shot in the future. And finally, I just, I had to hang up on her. I mean, it's just. You weren't going to change your mind. No, no. we weren't going to change your mind, but it tickled the daylights out of me when every one of her shows that she listed, they shot not just one person in the, mm-hmm. in the show, but numerous kind of things. But uh, but anyway, let's get back to this other. The best way to get in touch with is, is FTWSAAM.com. Yes, sir. And, and or just simply pick up the phone and call us. Yes, yeah, eight three zero two three four four three six six. Again, eight three zero two three four four three six six. And I'm sure that's on the website as well. It too. is. Yes. And then y'all have a Facebook and Instagram and some other things. Mm, not so much on the Facebook, Larry. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> we do have one, but we haven't touched it in years. You're about like I am. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, I'm kind of losing favor in that respect. Well, but, uh, me too. Um, yeah, we, but we're, go to the website. The website's and, absolutely the easiest thing to do. Absolutely, absolutely. One of the other things I'm going to talk about before we get off this thing is we're on the verge of having our virtual event 
for DSC, which is uh, coming up in, in February. Yep. And just want to remind people about that. That's really starting to come together. And, and uh, yeah, in fact, we're setting up our virtual booth now as we speak. So, right. Yeah. So It'll be a really neat program. I think it really will be, too. And for somebody that wants to know more about it, of course, it's an opportunity to, we can't meet in person this year, and City of, of Dallas has decided that we can't do it, so we've gone to the alternative of the, the virtual event. And to learn more about that, you just all you got to do is just go to the DSC website, and that's B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G, and there's a tab there, and, and it can tell you how you can register for everything, and of course, this event is extremely important for, for DSC, not just for DSC, but for wildlife conservation in general with all the things that we do through DSC. And, of course, you and I both serve on the DSC Foundation, and I'm sitting across from El Presidente of that. Yeah. So, uh, we've got great plans coming up there as well, too, that we'll talk about more as we get through our current DSC And, hey, event. Larry, is it appropriate to mention if you want to try a virtual uh, convention, or if you want to try a virtual, they can go to the Wild Sheep Foundation. It starts today. You know, we're, and our yeah, dear this, friend Gray this, Thornton, is this will run. He's, he's got a lot riding on it like, yes, like DSC we does. Do. You're right. Yeah, so that, Reno that, shut him down, so he had to do a virtual convention as and it, well. And they're actually going to keep that up for a month, aren't they? Or well, the show, the show actually goes for a week, but then you'll have access to the, the exhibitors, like we have a booth. Right. So you'll have access for an extra three weeks to the if you want to talk to the exhibitor or have a meeting or whatever. So, um, it's perfect, yeah. And yeah. What, what's their, their website? Oh, I think it's WSF.com. I think it is. All you got to do is Google the Wild Sheep Foundation right. thing, right. and, and you're right, it is going on as we speak. This will, this will probably come out about the tail end of, of their virtual convention, but that's why I mentioned if you want to see how some of this works, you can go there. And of course, with DSC, we've got some absolutely fantastic hunts coming up top for auction on that. And, and uh, really, it's not going to be a fire sale because this money does so many great things, not only here in North America, but across the world with wildlife conservation. And, and this is a very important event as far as we're concerned from a financial situation so please if you have any spare dollars you know consider uh what you can and, and buy what you can and I know there's some really great hunts and there's I like some silent auction type things as well too so uh, a lot of opportunities there to contribute to what's going on as far as DSC is concerned in helping DSC continue with promoting conservation education and hunter advocacy right. yep it's a, it's a really good cause and uh there will be some some pretty good deals on this, and like any auction, you know, the exactly, virtual one yeah. will, will be. Uh, it's important, and they've got some fabulous hunts. Um, what there's the one Pepe donated to us. It's going on for the foundation at the, the virtual auction, and it's for a what 14 day jungle hunt in the country of Cameroon. Oh my gosh! It's like one of the extreme African hunts, but it's going to be a heck of a deal, um, and you get to do some conservation work while you're there. So there's some really wonderful. wonderful there really are. I'm, I'm, I'm tickled. I'm hosting a hunt up in Alberta uh, last week of November, prime rut time for white, big white-tailed deer with Ron Nemechek and Maria with uh, North River Outfitters that's on there. And what makes that hunt, to me, so exciting is that there was no hunting there in that area this year. I shot a Booney Crockett buck there the year before, 
those two years prior to that and that year too, I've never seen as many yearling bucks as I've seen anywhere hunting whitetail deer all over, all over North America. Those bucks will be three and four year old deer by the time this hunt happens, mm-hmm. and it doesn't take but three years to produce a Boone and Crockett buck up there. And with the numbers of deer that are there, there's going to be an excellent opportunity to uh, to uh, see some really outstanding deer. And two, they can shoot a wolf while they're as well there as well. And this one on one hunt, I think that's pretty true all over the world. I mean, I, I had a hunt booked in uh, Croatia right. in April, and it's been canceled because the EU is You're closed. You're exactly right. So yeah. now there's two years of no hunts right. for things like the roe deer and the bears and so forth. These, I mean, these things are all just two years older. I know every outfitter I talk to in Africa, is, the, the game is... Now, those are the outfitters who have been able to control their poaching yes. thanks to DSC's program, the Foundation's program. Through Hunter's Care, we've been able care to... Through Hunter's Care and but... Like Mark Haldane said in Mozambique, I have never seen game like this. Really? He has one of the most magnificent anti-poaching programs in the whole continent. But, um, yeah, all these animals are now two years older and bigger, and, and, and we've got to support these outfitters so they can keep these anti-poaching programs going. Hunting is so very important in the conservation and preservation when you get right. I hate the term preservation, but in, in terms of conservation, of keeping these animals in numbers to where... There'll be more animals in the future, kind of thing. Yep. So, and the hunters care program that we've had through DSC and particularly through DSCF has done wonders in helping protect these animals. It has. It, it's an amazing program, and you know the, the the outfitters can file for a grant. Yes. Um, or they can talk to their clientele, and the clientele can make a total pass through donation to the foundation, say five or ten thousand dollars. And they designate where that goes, and we direct it directly to the to the outfitter. Now we've literally had outfitters in tears at, towards the end of 2020. And thank God for this program yes, because they, you know, look, five thousand dollars doesn't sound like a lot in the United States of America, but oh my, but gosh. it goes a long way yes. in Africa. And so when you're talking about keeping a, a team of 20, 20 anti poachers on staff in the field working. And that five grand goes a long way for a long time. So it's it's a super, super program. And and if you want to learn more about that, of course, you can go to thebiggame.org as well, too. There's a tab there where you can go to the foundation, or you can go directly to DSC. our foundation, dscf.org. And, uh, again, dscf.org, and, and contribute there, and you can see some of the things that we're doing. And what we've been able to do and and uh, you know over the last several years tim there's been a fair amount of money granted through particularly dscf with the assistance of dsc Ooh, that's not that's way more than a fair amount of money what's wonderful about dsc is it truly does take its 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 um, above operating costs all that money that they make at the, their annual event that's why this year's virtual is so important so we can't important. have that dip down we need everyone's support. But they truly do take all the money above operating expenses, which is pretty darn low for a big organization like it's this. It's very low, yes, sir. And they, they put it into the foundation, and they we make great grants all over the world, and uh, educational conservation, you know, advocacy. All of it's so needed. Without it, these animals are gone. They are. And the other side of that is is those where the money goes outside of the, the hunter's care, where somebody is saying, I want my money to go directly to this outfitter. And even there, every project that's involved as far as DSCF is concerned is 
unbelievably vetted before there is any money issued to it. There is. So it's not money that's just going to go into somebody's pocket somewhere. It's right. going to really do some good when it gets there. And they have to send us reports. They yes. They have to do periodic annual reporting to let us know how the project wins. It's like the big leopard program in Tanzania, which was awesome. We had to we had to air freight 80 game cameras over there for this study, and a really cool study. What yes. they're trying to do is determine, okay, in this huge block of area of Tanzania, we actually have these many leopards. Right. And those cameras had to be special. They had to be black and white flash because the way they determine the difference between this leopard and another one is simply the shape of the rosettes, which could mean everything. Yes. So they know they're not double counting them or undercounting them. And I, the scuttlebutt, the report's about to come out, but the scuttlebutt is there's a lot more leopards than they thought they had. So I mean, without programs like this, how do you, you know how not, to conserve? It, yeah. you, it, and obviously no hunter in the world, if they didn't have, if you booked a leopard hunt and they don't have enough leopards in the area, if I knew that, I wouldn't go. No, and I don't no. know a hunter that would. No. So you always want to, you know, it's a, it's a, a replenishment. You create a value to the animals. The animals survive. The local villagers don't poach them out and kill them out. And if there's an economic value to the animal, then the animal survives, and it's a win-win for everybody. It truly is. Including the animal. And, and <laughs> it, particularly including the animal yep. when you get exactly. right down to it. You're right. So, if, again, biggame.org, B-I-G-G-A-M-E dot O-R-G, D-S-C-F dot org, F-T-W-S-A-A-M dot com. Those are the ones to remember out of, of what we've discussed here. Uh, one more thing before we got to go, because I'm, I'm, I'm leaving here after having a great week on the FTW to go on a, a uh, mule deer hunt in, just west of here. We had several, we had every DSC chapter president here yep. for this event, which was absolutely fantastic. And if, if for somebody that would like to know more about, I mean, this is encompasses North America at this time. We don't. I'm not aware of the fact that we've got any international chapters at this not moment. Yet. No, sir. But uh, that's I'm sure is going to mm-hmm. come because uh, Carson Keys, who handles that side of things, is just a fantastic young man in terms of getting things done. But if somebody lives in a, wherever you live in North America, there's there's a chapter that you can join if you'd like to learn a little bit more. And, and again, to join one of the DSC chapters, if you don't know one of the members, again, you can go to bigame dot org and and uh, chap. Tip or whatever you do, punch the chapter side of things. Show my computer expertise here, <laughs> but hit on that chapter tab, and, and it will give you the, the address and, and the area that it encompasses. And so, great opportunity to join. And, and Tim, I can't wait. I'll be here for the, uh, the first of the uh, of the, uh, the new hunter programs, mm-hmm. and thrilled to be involved with that so look forward to that we've got a board meeting coming up with the dsc foundation next week when this airs so yes, we do. no telling what will come out of that maybe we can get with richard cheatham who's our director while we're there and talk about some of the new things in, in following weeks but i want to tell you how much i appreciate and we all appreciate what y'all do here on the ftw and, and uh Look forward to spending more time here again as I used to. I do too, Larry. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tim. 